2: The Holy Queen Mother of Jesus Spouse of the Holy Spirit Queen of Nations Queen of All Hearts The Woman of Revelation The Queen of Peace asks you to spread her call to the ends of the earth. Medjugorje.com A tool for you to spread Our Lady's way of life and change the world. Medjugorje.com Brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. Spread to all your family and friends. Medjugoria.com From Caritas of Birmingham.
3: This particular ode to Our Lady was written by a friend of Medjugorje when we launched Medjugoria.com. It was something when we had moved from old medj.com to the new medjoria.com, and this was the first thing that people saw when they came to the new site for the very first time as a matter of fact people who visit medj.com today for the very first time have a button that pops up that you could actually click and listen to this but um, we're still in the midst of raising the funds to keep medjugorje.com online and we have until midnight tonight for the matching donations this is something that if you have not participated in already that you'll want to do and you have until midnight tonight spread this to everyone you know to your family to your friends to your mailing list to your prayer group members all those people who you're connected with and let them know that until midnight tonight your donations will be matched
4: it's amazing to me that so many people who follow Medjugorje who knows Medjugorje why would they not raise easily a million dollars just for this one commercial put it on country stations pop stations everything Blanket. United States of America. You know how many people were introduced? How many people were introduced to the, to the billboards we had? We've got the tools. We've got the infrastructure to handle that. We could have 100,000 commercials there, and we can handle it. we got the presses. we got the building. we got a 65,000-square-foot facility supported by 10, 11 other buildings on our property, all geared for the secrets. But why are we waiting on that to do it? Our lady said, when the secrets are revealed, it'll be too late for many. Speaking about the sign on the mountain. How many people would go to perdition that would have been saved if this was introduced to them? And we've got a whole library of commercials that we've written in the past that could be owned. And I didn't think about this or come with the plan of speaking about this until I just reheard this again, putting it back from when we had this several years ago playing. And we only play it on our site. But why is it not sponsored on your local radio station? And how many people, if only but one, hears it, saves our marriage, decides not to end their life, or knows they're going to hell or about to do something wrong? And it changes, and we know it works. We know there's a grace attached to it. It's not just words. It's not just something that we advertise. There is power behind it. You've experienced it, many of you, who are our ladies' apostles and we're tight with our money. We can see the comparison of what Hollywood promotes. We can see what people do to the big exon companies and promoting their products, Procter & Gamble or Google. They spend money, and ours is superior, far superior. We've fallen into a thing of renewing the church and changing things, committees. I just got there reading something a friend sent us from Iowa about Elizabeth Seaton something and how they're going to renew the church. None of them mentions the Eucharist. It talks about homilies at mass. It talks about friendship. It talks about being together. You know, We do too much committee stuff. Where are the heroes? Where are the bishops standing up? Go read the writing release last night at midnight, actually this morning, and see who's feeding you this way. And I'm feeding you this because a lady fed me. She makes me see these things through the messages, through the community, through our life here. I see people here and our actions and stories that unfold from heaven that we know the script was written by our lady. And it's easy to write what you'll see today. This should be propagated everywhere. It's a confrontation. And it's directly to our bishops. And I don't apologize for it. And I'm not going to wait on you anymore, bishops. I'm not going to go down that road. I don't plan to do that. But you read the reading, you give it to the bishops. We are laxed. We are committed to death. All the things we see come out of the diocesan offices are useless. Can I say all things? All things that are underneath the plan and the mantle of Our Lady, because she's here to deliver a plan. And it's the individual. It's those heroes who stand up. It's the ones that are known for their witness, not as a body of a people, but of what the saints have shown us to the past. G.K. Chesterton said, I've searched all the parks and all the cities and found no statues of committees. And our whole church is basically ran by committees we got a pope promoting climate change through a committee that if he looked at the facts, he wouldn't be doing it. We're in trouble. And we're in trouble because we want to drive our answers from committees. We want to come up with think tanks this way and see what the conclusion is by the masses of the vote, which is always compromised, and the Bible has no word in it that speaks of compromise. Compromise, Chesterton said, used to mean when men had wisdom that a half a loaf of bread was better than no bread. Today it means to the committees that instead of a full loaf of bread, we get a half a loaf of bread. We compromise. And that's what our faith is about. It's about compromise. Why? Because we don't read the Bible. We don't follow it anymore. Our lady says, you have forgotten the Bible. This is our answers. And her whole message is based on reviving the Bible prefaced with what she's given in her messages for modern man to take those scriptures, even ancient scriptures. I'm not talking about Old Testament. I'm talking about ancient New Testament scriptures. That's 2,000 years ago it was written. It's ancient to us. That has no concept of the ideologies of how we live on a basis today from moment to moment at light speed consumed in something that trains our thoughts, even recircuits the way the brain works. And so she had to come to bring us back to the Bible, to understand the Bible. And few understand that.
5: This comes from a pastor in the UK by the name of Graham Bannon, and it's entitled, Three Things Your Bible Doesn't Say About Money. When it comes to money, God has a lot to say. So it's time to set the record straight on three things the Bible does not say about money, despite what we may have heard. Here are three wrong views. Number one, God guarantees prosperity. The prosperity gospel comes in a variety of forms, but the bottom line is God blesses our obedience by making us materially better off. The message says to honor God with your money and you will know this blessing. Of course, the flip side is that if you're not doing well financially, it must mean you're disbelieving or disobeying God. The great mistake of the prosperity gospel is ignoring that this promise of financial blessing comes under the old covenant. The new covenant doesn't work the same way. In fact. Jesus says his followers are blessed when they're poor, hungry, weeping, hated, excluded, insulted, and rejected. Financial blessing simply isn't promised to Christians. Yet a general principle does remain. God will bless our obedience. Jesus promised No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. A Christian will never give to God and finally get the rough end of the bargain. God blesses our giving, but how? What's the nature of the blessing? Jesus cannot mean that if we give up our home, we'll own a hundred more. He means God will give us blessing in a hundred homes being open to us and in knowing new family in the church. Notice also he adds that we will receive persecutions Jesus is not saying our lives will be marked by blessing with luxury, but by blessing with hardship. There is no sacrifice you make for Jesus you will regret. The prosperity gospel is an ugly thing, but there's a beautiful flip side. God does honor our giving. Sacrifice a vacation for the sake of giving to your church, and you may find greater riches and unity and love in your church. Give generously to someone in need, and you may find people giving you gifts. I use the word may, since I don't know what sort of blessing God will give, but I know he will bless you, if not in this life, then in the next. We can never outgive God. The second thing the Bible does not say about money is, God must approve of my approach. I can easily think my particular approach is the one God likes. For example, I tend to buy clothes on sale rather than at full price, and I can easily look down on those who don't. But of course, there are things I do spend money on, like drinking decent coffee or going out for a dinner that others might consider an unnecessary luxury. So here's the problem. We can all fall into thinking God likes what we happen to do, and look down on other ways of doing it. But we must not equate our personal financial decisions with godliness and use them as a yardstick by which to judge. While we may be able to see what others are spending, we can rarely know why. What we need is a good deal of self-awareness and honesty, respect for other approaches, and the ability to discuss financial decisions with straightforwardness and love. It's worth asking ourselves questions like, what do I consider good use of money? Why? What in my background or personality shapes my use of money? Whom do I look down on for their use of money and why? Where am I proud or self-righteous concerning finances? What's the positive side of the coin? Simply that it's possible God does like my approach because I've tried to be an honest and generous and self-aware steward. Of course, this should mean I acknowledge that God can like other people's approach as much as I prefer mine. The third thing the Bible doesn't say about money, God prefers financial independence. Does the Lord approve of the hardworking man who pays his own way through life? We should begin by saying, yes, God approves of hard work, and people should earn their own living. You can probably tell there's a but coming. Yes, God approves of us working and earning, but not without the right attitude. In many cultures, paying your own way is assumed or admired. The person who starts his own business and finds success is revered. He's self-made. It's not the success that's the problem. It's the view of how the world works. All we have comes from God in the first place. Our time, our energy, our gifts, the natural resources we work with, the power we use, everything. There is no such thing, therefore, as financial independence. Whether we recognize it or not, we always depend on God. As David prayed in 1 Chronicles, everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything we have is from God's hand, not merely earned by ours. Anything we possess is from Him, and anything we give Him, we're only giving back. We're never self made. So, yes, God does like us to work and earn and not depend on others if possible, but we must never start to feel we don't depend on God. In conclusion, Wrong thinking always leads to wrong living. It's as true with money as with anything else. But wonderfully, the opposite is true too. Right thinking leads to right living. And when we get our thinking about money right, when we grasp what God does say about money, we can find true joy.
4: Did you learn something? Is there lessons for there? Did you miss some lessons? Re-listen to this later, what was just read, because there's profound lessons in that. I remember when my business got going and I was doing well, I gave $5,000 to our church. And I gave that because I wanted to be generous. And I remember a few years before that, that I didn't have any money. I had $5 in my pocket. I didn't eat breakfast. I was doing a lot of heavy labor, which required you to eat and be hungry all the time because you were consuming everything. And you could buy your drink, your hamburger, and your french fries for five bucks in. And. and I had this $5 in my pocket. And I'm walking down the street downtown, getting some labor. And one guy comes up to me and says, He needs to eat something. Do I have any money? And I didn't think nothing of it, except I knew if I gave this $5, I wouldn't be eating until that night. And I gave it to him. And I felt more consolation of giving that up and giving it to him than I did in giving our church $5,000. It's not the amount. It's out of your need. And if you live the Bible, look who gave the most today in the temple when she gave only a penny to the widow, the widow's might. You'll understand that if you put that into your life. But sometimes we're so hard we can't see those things. Or we give in the wrong way. I know Bishop Hannah down in Louisiana told me once that the Italians like to give a check in front of everybody. What do you get from that? I never even told this story about walking down the sidewalk and giving this $5, and I don't give it to brag about it. I give it to show I got something from that far more than the $5. Yes, I got hunger, but I felt the peace come over me that I gave something big, much bigger than $5,000 of which I didn't give and receive. That kind of consolation when I gave that amount. And so our lady's messages are filled with us being tried and broken because we're so hard. You know, a walnut to get the nut out of it, especially walnuts, it tastes good, but it's very difficult to crack that open. Bishop Sheen said once, sometimes the only way the good Lord can get into some hearts is to break them. The messages are full of this to break it. And you need to help God to open your heart that you receive this. Dr. C.D. Wilson wrote back in the early 1900s that he knew of an elderly man who had told him he'd never read the Bible. He persuaded him to read the Bible. And he said afterwards, he said, I could not find anything more interesting in my life as such as this volume. It must be the most interesting thing in the world that I've read in 60 years. Carlisle declared that after people see the sunrise a second time, it ceases to be a miracle for them. And that's where we are today. We hear the Gospels every day, or if we go daily Mass, we hear it on Sundays, and it's superficial to us. The familiarity of the Scriptures, hearing it from the pulpit all the time, there's no marvel to it. It ceases to be that. The grandeur and the beauty of the Bible doesn't teach us because we never enter into it. I laid on October 18th, 1984. Today, I call you to read the Bible every day in your homes and let it be in a visible place. So as always, to encourage you to read it and to pray. When I walk out my back door in the mornings, there's a stool sitting in front of the door. My wife's got a message on it. And when I see that, I either respond to it or remind me of something or whatever. If your Bible's out in the corner, you're not reminded to read it every day. It's her who said, put it in a visible place. Why is it important to do that? Because the Bible alone, with the messages today to help preface it, gives you the direction and the way out of every situation that has no exit. Dr. Wilson wrote, No greater moral change ever passed over a nation than passed over England during the years of Queen Elizabeth's reign. England became the people of a book, and that book, the bible its literary and social effects were great but far greater was the effect of the bible on the character of the people at large this is what we're missing as a nation this is what we're missing as a people he goes on and says a new conception of life a new moral and religious impulse spread through every class amazing And he's like a lady saying, read the Bible every day, put it in a visible place so you won't forget it. He goes on and talks about that the greatest freedom is obedience to the highest law. Where do we learn the law? In the Bible. He says the memorizing of the passages as scripture turns into habit is the most valuable thing we can do. He relates that they give us comfort. They give us guidance to our life. They mold all the influences as to a style. Runchkin was quoted as saying, he owed much to the portions of scripture his mother introduced him to to commit to memory. I remember a man where I used to live when my wife and I first got married in our first house. And he was an old man. He came over one day, sat on the porch on the swing, started talking. And he said, he used to plow with a mule. It's hard to believe I'm in this modern age. And I talked to a man who... Was raised plowing with meal, but he says he always had the Bible on the plow between the little brace there, holding it, and he read all day long the Bible. I said, Oh huh. I didn't think much about it. He said, I memorized the Bible. And I said, Well, what about the part about this? And he quoted a whole chapter, just read it, just like it was amazing. I was stunned by it. I said, How much do you know? He said, Most of the New Testament. It's an amazing thing. And this elderly man who was by then in his 80s and 90s still was sharp. So it is important that you teach your kids to memorize scripture verses. This is the way out. Wilson writes, Most of all books reveal to us Christ, and because it enshrines the record of his life, it is supreme. Every nation now existing is great in proportion as the Bible is studied and obeyed. February 14th, 1985. Every family must pray family prayer and read the Bible. Did you know our lady says everything is invitation? I invite you, I invite you, I invite you, I invite you. You can find this throughout a whole message. I can't do this by force. I can't compel you to be a saint by force. I humbly before your free will. But one thing she says you must do is you must, in your family, read the Bible. Do you think there's something there? Do you think it's important? The Bible gets in your face. It tells you what you're doing wrong. It can form your nation. And it is the answer today to go back to. Are you reading it? I have one on my nightstand. No matter what I'm reading, what book, I always open up the Bible every night and read something. And a lot of my shows or a lot of the things that we come up and talk about the next day comes from one little sentence in the Bible. It has power behind it. And it is turboed, and a turbo, simply put, is a fan that goes on top of your diesel engine or your gasoline engine that blows more air into it that turbos the engines get more power. The messages of Our Lady turbos the Bible. You will not understand it today as a modern man without doing that. And it does get in your face, and we need to get in people's face. But what we have now in our face something you don't want to be there with. Donald Trump was quoted as saying, do you mind if I sit back a little? Because your breath is very bad. <laughs> this is society today. We need to withdraw from it. You say, oh, well, we got to go out and witness to it. No, you witness to it in the way you live with the body of people who lives with you. That's the witness. This is what was written about now, the early Roman historians of Christians see how they love one another. It wasn't that they were out on the street saying, no, Jesus loves you. I remember a deacon in Medjugorje we went into the gift shop at the Franciscans parish house where we were doing a talk there. And he stood at the door. Well, he was one of our pilgrims. Everybody walked by. He said, I love you. I love you. I love you. I didn't like the guy to start with, to tell you his truth. I didn't like the way he was. And there was nothing. It was totally empty. It was like, do you mind sitting back a little for me? Because your breath stinks. I didn't like what he was saying. It was insincere. But the story says, see how they love one another. That's our witness. When we go out and we're someplace and we're all together and we're talking, we're laughing, we're cutting up, the kids are doing something, people look at us wanting to be what we are. We have people come telling us. We see it. We feel it. Like we sense it because we love each other here. It's the basis of our community of Caritas. Caritas means love. And so every family must pray and read the Bible, it forms nations. There's nothing more beautiful, nothing more grandeur than scriptures being put into life. No greater moral change has ever passed over a nation like it did in England when they became the people of the Bible. That's our answer, not the presidents. They will conform to us instead of us conforming to them and their committees It's the greatness of living the Christian life that will change everything. Frank?
6: Well, yeah, that's a good prelude to my story. I I wanted to tell a story because Our Lady's message on the second of the month was just incredible to me. And particularly that she came to tell us she's calling us to know her son and to know the truth. And she finishes the message with telling us she's come that we would know the truth. And so Sunday I was invited up. uh, I'll just give a little background to the story for your listeners. Your son, he informs me that we're going to have a birthday party for his youngest son, Bishop, on Sunday. He informs me on Saturday. And so I get up on uh, Sunday and realize that I didn't have time to, to get anything, a gift for him. And uh, I wanted to get him something fun because um, that's just what I would have done if I would have had time. But instead, I see a miraculous metal medjugorje round, and I put it in an envelope, and uh, and I put his name on it, and then I go up for uh, for pasta on Sunday, and to um, to celebrate with him. And so I, I leave it in the car, forget to bring it in, and I'm watching. Um, and I'm very interested in watching him open his presents. And like a normal five-year-old boy, he has figured out pretty much what everything is, and it's somewhat anticlimactic. And uh, he got a bike, so he, he goes out to play on his bike. And his grandparents are there, and they're getting ready to leave. So I move my car, and I see the envelope. And so I hand Bishop the envelope. He opens it up, and he screams. He puts it in his hand. He starts going around and showing it to everybody. <laughs> and he is so excited. He's jumping up and down about this miraculous metal magic go around. And so, so I said, well, give it to your mom. She'll put it in a safe place for you. And his grandma says, no, don't give it to your mother. You'll never get it back. <laughs> well, we all start laughing. And, and I said, you can give it to your mom. She's just kidding. He, he would not <laughs> give that thing up. <laughs> he, he took it and he left his bike, left all his toys went up the stairs, went to his room, and put it in a safe place. So this is, of course, your son has been raised in in community. He's been raised in the message. His kids are raised in the message. They don't have television. They do these things that you've done in your family, read in the Bible and, and live in the messages, daily prayer.
4: So he and teaches so, you how to hide your money from your mama. Now.
6: <laughs> <laughs> he has a knowledge of the truth. <laughs> but So this is just something that I've thought about this a lot in the way the things that have helped me more than anything to come to the knowledge of Jesus and come to the knowledge of the truth have been the major writings. And this is what they live in their life and what we've placed into our life which bears fruit in our life. And so these are the most important guides to placing our lady's message into your life and living these messages. And they're very simple truths. Our lady also tells us that she understands our suffering because to know the truth and live the truth is in opposition with the world. And the darkness doesn't like the light. And so our lady understands this. This is where we're coming to. And there's just a lot of joy to place these things into life and they they've led us to community and it's really these major writings. And so we're just we were experiencing that joy, but I just thought it was funny how much he understood this. And I would just say in regards to it ain't gonna happen, that's what our ministry's for. And this is a truth that I understand very well. And this is something I will not tire of explaining it to you or to your loved ones or to whoever needs to understand why we are to get the fruits of our labor out of a broken system, out of an ungodly system. And so I take my role with Global Silver Investors very seriously, and it's always my pleasure to try to help those that are in need to make physical changes to understand where their money or the fruits of their labor is gonna be safe from a biblical perspective and from placing these messages of Our Lady into life. You can reach us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can also email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And the website is globalsilverinvestors.com.
4: And so we live in a time where we need leadership. The Bible guides that. A man who reads the Bible knows what he has to do. We can't run things by committee. You have the birthplace of the Bill of Rights, 1788, where they had a meeting. To a committee, they tore down half of this building. It was in store. They, they stopped it. The people saw what was happening. It's known as James Bell's Tavern in Silver Springs Township of Pennsylvania. But how does this come? Because there's no leadership. Everything's driven by committees. And that's part of our downfall. Today, we need leadership. And that leadership has to be guided directly by scripture, turboed by the messages of Our Lady. When we understand these things, we can put our faith in God in a way that no matter the way we walk, even though it looks dark, will lead to light. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
3: This ends the Medjinomic show with a friend of Megagoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.